I'm doing really, really well. This is Jessica. Jessica, I'm just going to finish up my, my little talk about, you know, EFT and memories. And this is probably resonates with what you do as well. I know you do, um, is it EMDR? And you kind of work on that emotional, energetic route as well. Absolutely. EMDR, emotion um, focus therapy. Yes. So I'm just going to kind of finish it up. And what I'd like all of our viewers and also the viewers that are going to watch the replay to do is right now, think of a, a belief or something that you have going on in your life. Okay. That brings up for you. And this is where you can feel it in your gut, in your chest, in your throat, or in your head, or actually could be even a physical pain that shows up that chronically when you think of this or when you experience this this shows up and at the end of today i'd like to do some actually hands-on eft some tapping so we can clear some of that and you can feel the physical relief before we leave the show isn't that the best right we can talk about changing our mindset and what we need to do but what i love to do especially in front of my audiences is i love that hands-on experience if you got pain and actually if you have physical pain i know it's probably not pleasant for you, but it's better for me because if you can give your pain a number and then we can alleviate some of that physical pain as well, um, the relief is what we're going for. We're going for relief in anything that we do. We want to feel that ease, that relief, that peace within us. So that being said, I think this is the perfect tie-in to introduce Jessica Rosen. Is it Rosen or Rosen? Rosen. Rosin, Jessica Rosin. Um, I know that you're a registered psychologist. I did a little bit of background on you, but what we like to do here on the Blue Talks Flip Your Script stage is have you tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, a little bit about your journey and how you um, ended up here today, actually. Absolutely. Yes. Thank you. Um, a little bit about myself. I mean, right now, as you said, I'm a registered psychologist. I'm also a relationship weaver. And, um, um, part of a family I have my partner I have my three kids and a lot of what's kind of brought me today um to this date as relationship weaver has a lot to do with kind of like the beginning when you talk about psychology we always go back into childhood uh really you know we like to think future we like to think positive but it's so important for us to be connected to our childhood where we came from where a lot of our patterns actually began and for me, um, my story actually really begins when I was training as a psychologist, kind of those early days when I was working with different people and I was hearing a, a large volume of different stories. I was working with a lot of different people and just noticing um, the different sorts of traumas that they experienced throughout their life and the great effects that it had on them. And for myself, it really was a, a moment for me to kind of Flip and look back on myself. And kind Flip of go, your script, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that definitely came at some point for sure. But it was like, you know, this moment of self-awareness to go, you know what? I've really come from a lot of trauma myself. I've come from a lot of different sorts of experiences. And it was kind of just a moment of looking back in time and going, you know, what have I been through throughout my life that has affected me in certain ways that perhaps I'm even unaware of? And it was really shocking, actually, when I took that moment and then what followed was like many moments, hours, years of looking deep within and noticing, you know, the sorts of experience I had as a child with my parents, with my dad, who's an alcoholic and who's a violent man. And, you know, with us as kids and my mom finally finding that, that, that space, that strength within her for us to leave. 
and then bring us into the city where you kind of went from the farm, you know, and the farm as a family, quite isolated, and then into the big city. Um, and when you say big one, city, where are you? You're in Canada, right? Yeah, I'm in, in Canada, Edmonton, Alberta. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, it was a moment of actually, for me as a kid, I was quite excited. I was excited about the move. I know kids can have mixed feelings about that sort of thing. But for me, it was about kind of a freedom um, and a sense of safety that we were headed towards. And what I quickly found myself, though, in was, you know, entering into new schools and new people. And for me, not really being heavily socialized, it was quite an awkward experience and, and finding myself in positions of being bullied and, and picked on and um, just feeling like quite anxious. You know, when I look back, just realizing the, the amount of anxiety that I experienced and fear, really, at the end of the day, the fear that I experienced when it came to people. Um, and just over time, finding myself kind of moving throughout the years and eventually in relationships, relationships with different boys and, and different men. And I really had to look at what, what really are my, was my relationship pattern with these men and what kind of experience did I have? How comfortable was I with them? Was I able to really express myself? And unfortunately, what I quickly discovered was, was I wasn't. And if anything, there was ways in which I was pushed down more and I didn't have a voice. I couldn't find my voice. And, you know, at the time, actually, come to think of it, when I was in my psychology training, I was married. I was married with uh, three young kids. And again, it was this moment of looking like, what kind of relationship am I in? What, what kind of life am I, am I leading? And on the outside, it actually looks really great. Um, you know, kind of moving forward with my career, highly successful, even throughout the years with academically, I really put a lot of time into to school. Um, it was that, that area that I kind of put my energy into. And, you know, married, had a home, three kids, had the yard that I always wanted for my kids. Um, it was it was actually a life that even my friends and family thought that was quite successful and something that I should be extremely happy with. Um, but when I looked at my marriage and the relationship with my husband, you know, it was just those moments of noticing, you know, wow, you know, we really don't connect very much. We really don't talk very often. He actually at the time was an alcoholic and was quite unavailable. And it was really just me and the kids and me pursuing, you know, my career and my schooling, but I was quite alone and deep down inside felt really crappy about myself, had like extremely low self-confidence. And this was a real wake up call to me. You know, it was just amazing to realize that all those years, it was almost like survival mode, kind of surviving, going through the motions checking off the boxes that basically were taught that we're supposed to check off. And that's what makes us successful and happy life. And for me, it was kind of really noticing on a body level, kind of bringing in the emotion focus piece on mm -hmm. a body level, how am I really feeling? And it was just this extremely deep feeling of depression, actually. You know, if I really sat back and I looked at it and you know, there was this one pivotal moment for me, actually. Um, and I was in my garage at the time. I always seem to remember the, the setting of this. I always and like I, to ask how old. 
like for me, like as I'm hearing a story, like I want to know how old you are when you moved to the city. I want to know how old you are when you went to your started studying psychology. Like how old were you are when you were married? Like so, if we so, how old were you when you were in your garage? At least let's when start I was there. in my garage, I want to place myself at about thirty. Okay, this way I have a visual. You know what I mean? I, I for my own yeah. personal, like, since you're taking me on a journey, I want to know how old you are. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I want to say around 30, could have been 31, something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And just really sitting there and, you know, so kind of feeling pretty, pretty good, you know, with where I was at in my life at that age. But in the garage, it was like, all of this was really kind of adding up, kind of caking on. It was, it was as though I went through these years without fully realizing everything that had happened to me in my life and deep down inside how I really felt about it. And it came to me like in a real sort of rush. And mm -hmm. I kept digging, digging and digging. And the more I dug, the worse I felt about myself, though, the worse that I was kind of thinking, if I've come from so much bad, kind of so much, so many, you know, not good experiences, and so many experiences that basically reinforced for me, my unworthiness reinforced for me in ways that I wasn't good. I wasn't valuable. I wasn't important. You know, my own husband didn't really want to spend time with me or the, or the kids. And, um, I actually got to a place of wanting to kill myself. I just yeah. sat there in the garage. I actually had my eyes closed and, and just was going, you know, there's just really nothing. I'm nothing. That, that moment of like, I am nothing. Yes. And it was this, this moment when there was like, almost like, you know, it's difficult to describe, but there was just this, this incoming sort of message, a part of me as something that came to me. And it was like, wait a minute. If I'm so bad, if I am so nothing, how have I come this far? Mm -hmm. How have I been able to, you know, do the sort of schooling that I have, you know, socialize enough, just socialize enough to be able to make myself get to the point where I was when it came to certain friends, certain family members, you know, being in a sort of a relationship. You know, I was at this place in this point, again, professionally as well, where I was noticing people weren't treating me the same way that I had been treated for most of my life. Mm -hmm. And it was this, this moment of being able to see this glimpse, this, this kind of glitter of something more, something different about me than mm -hmm. what all of that has led me to believe about myself. So right. It's a real shifting point for me. We call it a flip. It was an aha. It was a perspective shift. Because life is, and it was what I was talking about. I don't know if you were able to catch a little bit of it. Like I was winging it, doing my improv before you showed up. I'm talking about like our perspective is our reality. Mm -hmm. I mean, it just is. Like it's every single time, the way that we're perceiving the world, that we're looking through the lens of, right? Our own eyes, the lens of our own beliefs, our own truths, our own thoughts is the reality that we're living in. We're the star of that show right and you had a perspective shift and every your whole reality changed in the garage i mean to me that that's one of those exciting aha moments yeah. and it was one yeah. fun, right it was one awareness and one perspective shift that changed everything mm -hmm. absolutely everything 
And it changed the way I saw myself. It changed the way I saw my situation, my circumstances. It changed the way I saw the world even. You know, yes. looking out of the garage. Yeah. I, I love I get excited about that because those are the mm -hmm. those are the game changing moments, the life changing moments. And so so when you had so you had that aha moment in the garage. And so then what started to unfold, because what I find uh, in my life and also in the lives of the, my clients and people, even just friends and family, is when our perspective starts to shift, everything starts showing up differently. Then there's a whole other set of challenges. When everything starts to show up the way you want it, you got to learn how to what I call ride the wave. You have to ride the wave of manifestation, right? Because that And that's a whole other thing that we can talk about another time. But what started to show up differently for you in that moment? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that one of the biggest things for me was the way that I was tuning into myself. Mm -hmm. That was probably one of the biggest places that I started with. I was tuning into myself, tuning into my body, noticing what it was telling me. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing that was extremely significant for me was is this real examination, an examination about who am I, mm -hmm. um, where am I going? I had those three questions. Who am I? Where am I going? And who am I bringing with me? Oh, I like the third one. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it was really significant for me, especially looking at my marriage and my relationship. It was extremely scary. I mean, this is something that... How old were your kids at that time? You know, I like, I like the little details. So how old were your children? So you have three kids. You're like 31 in the garage. You're, you're like contemplating life, having this aha moment that you can't ignore because now you can't unknow what you now know. Yeah, absolutely. My kids... This is all guesstimations, but I would say it's okay. We don't really know, but just on a roundabout. They're young, like six, four, and two. Okay. Young. Yeah. yeah very young. Age. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Now you were already studying at this time, right? Mm-hmm. So what inspired you to go into psychology, right? Because that's also like something inspired that action too, right? Like there must yeah, have been absolutely. an interest or a curiosity on some level. You know, what's interesting is I always recall that I had a shifting point around 12 years old. Since I've been 12, I knew I was going to be a psychologist. It was just, mm -hmm. this is what I'm going to do. It actually has been a driving force for me throughout some of the difficult times in my high school years, especially that I had this, this basically weekend. This is where I'm going. This is what I'm doing. I didn't really put a lot of questioning or thought into it it was as though this is what I'm going to do I just knew and you know I do I do wonder about this sometimes and of course as kids going through a divorce and separation I did have exposure to some psychologists uh through the divorce settlement but right it was you know there wasn't actually in a moment in my conscious awareness that this is like this is what I'm going to do and this is exactly what I'm going to do why I'm going to do it it was just a knowing and, and in a lot of ways, it was a lot of just who I am and the way my personality is. And, you know, for example, and, and a lot of that was born from some of the traumatic experiences, from the traumatic environments more specifically. And mm -hmm. so for me, you know, being in, and this happens for a lot of people, when you're in an unsafe environment, you really turn inward. You turn to your imagination. You right. spend a lot more time in nature. And you spend a lot of time observing people, right? A lot of time observing, yes. for example, you know, especially people who you're afraid of, you're, you're going to be mm -hmm. observing, you're going to be noticing. 
And so there was just from a young age, this is really just what I did with people was I noticed, you know, what they're going to do, how people talk, what's kind of behind with their motivations. And so I already started really young noticing patterns in that way. Yes, I can. Re and actually, I can really it's funny that you said that because I haven't really thought about it that much. I didn't go into psychology in the traditional sense, but as a mindset architect and studying EFT and understanding and having this ability, this like innate ability, almost like a knowing when I was a kid that I don't know, like I knew I would work with children. Now, I didn't realize I was going to be working with inner children as well. You know, chronological chronological age is irrelevant really to me because I'm always end up working with a child anyway. Um, but just kind of knowing, like having that knowing and not knowing really where it's coming from. Um, but no, but also knowing, I think, too, as a child, you're bringing up all of these, you know, memories going through a divorce, you know, going through my parents divorce at the age of seven, realizing like how crushing that was. Um, just the way that I felt in relationship to what was happening, not so mm -hmm. much observing them or outside of myself, but observing myself in the situation yeah and real and recognizing that wow that really sucks you know <laughs> like if, and i just had this knowing that i could help people through that process so it wouldn't suck so much <laughs> and they could find a way actually to find themselves in that because it really was my parents choice they were going through their own story doing the best that they can with where they were and what they knew and even yeah. you know coming from an abusive family you know the abusive parent not like we condone their actions but they're really doing the best they can with where they are and what they know even though it doesn't seem like that to a child and yeah. so having that new awareness and understanding i'm sure helped you through a lot of that trauma as well as well so you said that you're a relationship weaver that's the first time i've heard that term and i really love it because i love that creative creative way of expressing who we are and what we do so can you tell us a little bit more about like your ability to to, to weave relation, help people weave their relationships? Is it with themselves? It was, is it within couples? Um, there's many different relationships that we have. Absolutely. Yeah. And so for me, you know, my journey I, it was something that I really noticed over time is how much the intimate relationships or relationships with partners um, mm -hmm. has a lot to do with the unfolding of my own story, a lot to do with me diving even deeper into my own wounds, me diving even deeper into my own gifts. My wholeness, especially, is something that's really been cultivated through pleasant and unpleasant experiences. Mm -hmm. um, in a lot of ways, the unpleasant experiences that can happen in relationships just kind of can birth something new within that. And so just noticing my own story and my own experiences and my own growth, my own journey because of this mm -hmm. really brought a lot of my own kind of model, my own theory, my own model when it comes to relationships and what sorts of ingredients can, can contribute to a certain sort of healthy relationship. And I put it healthy in kind of quotation marks because you know, there's all different ways we can consider what healthy actually means. Right. It's so, um, per it's so personal. <laughs> it's very personal. Absolutely. And so for me, it's about looking at kind of the relationship as three different bodies. And so we have the relationship when it comes to each individual, so each body and mm -hmm. the body being the entirety of the, the person. Right. Um, and then the third one is the relationship body. And this is really so different. Can you, than a lot of can, you, can you repeat number one again? So number one is 
the first number one, one is, is number one is each individual. So one individual, two individuals, okay. then the relationship as Got a third. It. Okay. Got okay. it. Okay. Following. And, and, and this is really different than a lot of people where they can consider the idea of relationship as like to kind of combine in this way. Mm -hmm. And instead, I really prioritize looking at each as the individual pieces um, and really looking at that own, that, that each uh, personal journey of each individual, just how important that is. And I think that's something that's so overlooked or kind of like acknowledged, but then we kind of move on. Or a lot of people come to couples counseling and relationship therapy and they're, they just really want to focus on relationship and how we, how we mingle, what we do here. But first, we have to really look at each individual's experiences, journey, and story, and the way and patterns, and the way that that then contributes mm -hmm. to this third body that's created by the contribution of each individual, but also everything else around it. It's its own entity. It's not just one plus one, it's two. It's actually its own separate sort of thing. I, I love that you've taken that approach because oftentimes you know somebody who's doing you know working in couples therapy they do work with a couple I personally never work with my couples together they're always individual and then they take their journey as these well-beings and find their way together and I love that you take that next step where you say okay we're going to be here and here let's figure out who you are come in as two whole people and then you bring them together I like that third step I think that that could be very powerful yeah, absolutely it is. And there's a way, you know, when we when we think about the weaving of it, it is the weaving. The weaving of mm -hmm. each individual story and the weaving of each individual story and the way that interacts and connects as the relationship. But, right. you know, I think one of the biggest mistakes that people make is even when we kind of feel like we're there, it's like, okay, yeah, we're doing this. We have to remember we're still two different individuals. There's a lot of people that experience almost like a lack of freedom in relation to the ownership thing that's happened is expectations, which is mm. a really big thing. And, you know, the more and more that I continue to work with this, where, you know, it's heading into this new type of idea of like, what is relationship really all mm -hmm. about? You know, we have right. kind of the older models and in a lot of ways, the older models based on more like survival mode, like, you know, people were together in a lot of ways to be able to survive, to have right. enough money, to have enough food, to have shelter. And that really contributed to why we're making this decision to be together and why we're making decisions to never be apart, like to not separate. Right. Um, and now there's a lot for a lot of cultures and a lot of societies, that's not as much as the motivator to stay together because we financially need to. Mm -hmm. Instead, there's kind of like, well, then why are we together? People are actually looking at this a little bit more. You know, am I right. actually happy? Do I need to stay with this? if I'm not happy or fulfilled. And so that's when we start to tease that apart more. It's interesting because, you know, we all have our own personal journey and I love how things start to show up in my life. Um, and I'm on a journey right now. I'm actually in Maine. I live in Florida and I have my RV and I've been traveling for about a month and it is a journey on my own. And we and my fiance and I have both decided that, you know, this is the time that we're taking to kind of what he calls it finding Elliot. His name is Elliot finding Elliot. And, and this is also, it's a time to discover like, where are we at? You know, we're creating these amazing things, these retreats where people's lives are changing and they're loving every minute of it. Are we loving every minute of it together? 
right? And it's really, really important to take that time. And we had a guest on yesterday and we were talking about happiness is a state of, we already, we are happiness. And when we're disconnected from that or out of alignment, as I call it, from that happiness, we could use the relationship as a reason, but what I am personally re recognizing for myself in the relationship, and maybe this is something that resonates with you as well when you were in the garage having that aha moment, is that whatever's coming up in me, this lack of feeling happy or this the, these questioning or the sadness that might be lying, had been lying dormant, whatever's coming up for me is already in me. He's just this beautiful gift, even though frustrating at times, love you anyway, Elliot, but frustrating at times, letting me know that it's still there. Mm -hmm. Right. So pointing my finger and saying, I'm unhappy because of this. That's not sustainable. I'm unhappy because the situation's bringing up something in me that's already in me, right. That's already taking up space that could be filled with more inner peace or contentment or, you know, just being happy because I'm looking at the world from, as a happy person. So do you find that too for your, on your own personal journey, but do you also see that awareness show up in your, with your clients um, or patients? I'm not sure what the term is mm -hmm. since you're a psychologist. Well, you, I work with a lot of coaches, so we don't have patients, we have clients. Um, that there's an awareness that really my unhappiness is not coming from anything but within myself or my you know, mistrust or insecurities or whatever it is that's holding space. But whatever's showing up is providing me this mirror and this opportunity for me to recognize that this stuff is within me already. Nobody's putting it in me, right? Nobody's like shoving anger in me or insecurities in me, but it's already there. And it's an opportunity to kind of go within and say, where's this coming from? How old is it? How old is this, you know, crap that's still hanging out, you know, within me? What age am I right now? That's a big question that I ask myself and my clients. How old, how old is this? How old do I feel right now? I'm 17. You're bringing out the 17 year old in me that wasn't very happy with herself or the five year old who doesn't want to be abandoned. Or do you find that there are those different parts of ourselves that show up in situations? Absolutely. And I'm really glad that you brought that up too, because that is a module, like a part of our work that we really do when it comes to working with relationships. We're looking at the different parts of ourselves. We even have names for them. I actually have a relationship archetype assessment that I have online. I love it. Yes, exactly. And so that you can discover what sorts of archetypes, what sort of parts of yourself are more active, right? Kind of are stronger, louder, which ones mm -hmm. are a little less. And that's different archetypes and different parts of ourselves that uh, are protective can hold us back. But there's mm -hmm. also parts of ourselves that help us to, to grow and that uh, where we can show up more fully and more in our wholeness for ourselves. So we want to get a sense of what parts of ourselves are more active and inactive for us and which ones kind of get triggered, kind of triggered up. Do we get hijacked by in mm -hmm. our partnership, for example? Right. Um, and quite often with couples, what you can do is begin to see which parts of themselves end up communicating more with each other than yes. other parts of ourselves. <laughs> exactly. And sometimes I'm like, do you know that, I mean, and I work separately, but I'll have the conversation. Do you know that you're having your, both of your 13 year olds are in this marriage? Both yes. of your 13, your 15 year olds are the ones that are constantly arguing with each other. 
So your teenage yeah. versions of yourself are the ones having this relationship. Like, are you ready to like let them have the control or do you want, you know, the 30, 40, 50 year old version of yourself to show up and say, hey, wait a second. You know what? I'm ready to make this happen in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, you know, what can be really difficult for, I almost say most couples, because a lot of couples haven't, people haven't really looked at this, is there's this moment when they discover that they made the decisions to be in their relationship from a younger part of themselves. Right. That decision, that choice, what feels like a choice that they made, uh, their selection of, you know, this is who I want to be with for the rest of my life kind of idea was motivated. If it came from a younger, less developed, maybe less mature part of themselves was motivated by less mature needs and desires and motivations. So, it kind of translates in the, the unspoken contract or agreement that we have in this relationship is based on you kind of, you act from a 15 year old position and I act from a 13 year old. And that's, this is what keeps us, this is what sustains us actually. This is what keeps us going. Exactly. And it can be really heartbreaking because then once we realize something like this, it's like, it is one of those flipping the script or those shifting moments of, wow, like who, who are you then? Who am I? Right. Mm -hmm. that's, that's when this real discovery process is, even reflects my, my own personal story with it. Like, and what sorts of decisions have I made to choose you to be with you in order just to keep myself safe as opposed to perhaps growing and expanding and being that fuller person that I'm beginning to see more about me. Yeah. So it's so profound. Know, it really, really is profound. And at the same at the same time, though, there's this opportunity that I feel like we have within within that whole kind of scene, right? Because it's a scene in our in our movie in our movie of life to take a look at it and say, okay, so if this is where I'm at and this is where you're at, and I can now recognize that it isn't the me me that's showing up and start to heal those things. Um, within those versions, there is a beautiful opportunity to grow together. You know, there because we don't even know who the other version is. Like, I don't know your 40 year old version that really could be showing up because I've been hanging out with your 15 year old all this time, you know? And I, and I think another thing too is, you know, this whole idea of relationships and love, and even with family and kids and friends, the reason that I, I believe. Per, this is personal that we're attracted to certain relationships is and and we love we love the person or the relationship is because we love the version of us that shows up in that relationship mm -hmm. right it's how we feel about ourselves when who's the version of us that's showing up oh you're my best friend because i love how i feel when i hang out with you right or i'm in love with you because i really love the version of myself that's showing up and sometimes that gets lost of course but i know that in our own my own journey right now um, on this journey that I'm on right now, one of the things that Elliot and I both discovered together is that, you know what, sometimes in our interactions, we don't like the versions of ourselves that show up. It's not our intention. It just, this version of us is showing up and we don't like who we are or how we feel when that version shows up. And that's what we get to look at. Not that you did this to me and you did that to me. Like we're able to now say, and this is kind of where we're at, I'm sharing like a real time, real life experience is that, both of us agree, which is great because we both agree. We don't like who we are when we're showing up in interactions, um, certain interactions with each other. So now what do we do? Right. 
not just to become the best version for ourselves, but if we're really in this, then figure out how to be the best version for the other person as well, while still retaining who we are. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. It absolutely makes a lot of sense. And, you know, kind of even going back to what you were saying too, is like this opportunity, having this awareness, and that's the first step to change is about, you know, recognizing that this is where we're at and we have this opportunity now to do something different. And there is a decision point within that. And so when you have two people that kind of awaken to this, and I think that a lot of people experience that. I actually hear a lot of women, it happens for men as well, but a lot of women really talk about when they're awakening more mm-hmm. and they're realizing some of this, they're finding that their husbands aren't or their partners aren't. And that's such a difficult situation for anybody. There's a, it's mm-hmm. a really alone feeling. And this speaks to my personal story back when I was in the garage and in my marriage at the time of, of kind of realizing these things for me realizing these different parts of me showing up or not showing up. And in my case, my husband chose to not continue on with that journey in that way. Um, Mm -hmm. That not wanting to kind of take that opportunity. And it it really puts people in that kind of position of, you know, then what, you know, what do I do with that? And I really find it so important to empower people to be able to kind of continue to follow their journey and follow their story with that, uh, to be able to make those decisions that, that won't hold them back in the ultimate growth and, and individuation of themselves. Um, and so it's a really difficult kind of position, but I think people out of fear, um, and it, it's a really scary situation. Like what's um, going to happen? Exactly. I would choose to kind of maybe, you know what, I'm just going to like put my head back in the sand. I'm just going to, you know what, kind of continue on and not really touch this anymore because for example, my partner doesn't really want to look into that. Mm-hmm. Whereas we, we fast forward to the present for myself now at age 42, um, you know, I'm in a relationship for the last, you know, seven years uh, where the opportunities, you know, are really embraced, you know, as you're describing for yourself as well, you know, mm-hmm. where basically when we notice triggers, when we notice different parts of ourselves, you know, it's really holding that big, bigger picture of the story that's continuing to unfold of our own individual journeys. But in a lot of ways, the way the relationship helps to, to, to bring that up, you know, helps right. to be able to, to bring it forward. But we have, we have something more. It's almost like at times it can feel like a crisis. You can feel like, oh my God, things aren't going well like they were going. Or, But right. each time, if both people are willing to say yes again and again to that opportunity, it's just amazing. And this is what I find so beautiful about the magic of relationships mm-hmm. is what can be birthed from that? What can be birthed from these moments of sometimes you can feel stuck or it can feel like, you know what, we don't like each other or whatever the, the situation is. And when you lean into it more, that's where the true growth happens. That's where that real growing of right. self can happen. Well, and actually not can, it does. <laughs> absolutely again like gravity it does it just just starts to like it presents itself you know and it's and present is a present right it starts to present itself like and so it's beautiful um i know Corey hopped on because we're coming to to a close and i have to tell you i i adore you and i would love to stay in contact and i want to find out where i personally can get the archetype um Download. So maybe that's where we can start too. Where can people find you? Like just to start a conversation about, you know, maybe 
finding out how to weave the relationship within themselves and in their partnership. Absolutely. So I can be found on Facebook, Instagram, and I also have my website, uh, jessicarosinpsychology.com. And Perfect. so um, there's a lot of uh, resources actually that are there on my, at my website, as well as the, the free relationship archetype assessment. I love that. And do you use that assessment when working with your patients? Oh, for sure. Are clients yeah. or patients? Are they patients? I call them clients. Okay, you do. Okay. And <laughs> yeah. working with your clients. Okay, so it also, in, um, so two things. If you could put that in the comments, at least on the Flip Your Script Blue Talks group on Facebook, that would be great. So people who are watching the replay can find you. Okay. Uh, and then also, I like to ask this question, um, and that this is in relationship to the whole flipping your script concept. I believe that we have thought weeds and mind seeds. And the mind seeds are what we can use to replace once we pull a thought weed and we know that that's not how we want to think anymore or this is not working for us, right? Sometimes people have a really hard time figuring out what it is they do want because we spent so much time trying to get rid of what we don't want that we've lost focus. So if you could share maybe a mind seed or a thought or a perspective with our audience and our future audience, what would that one maybe perspective shift that they could plant in place of be? I have many. Um, okay, but, pick you know, your favorite. One, <laughs> one that comes to mind right now is you, I absolutely deserve the, the fully exciting, robust relationship that, that I really desire, that I truly desire. Okay, so one more time. That you, oh that, God. well, okay, so wait, so you're saying that everybody deserves the best, mo the best version of themselves and the happiest relationship that they could have. Absolutely. Yeah. Whether, whether you believe it or not, you deserve yeah. it, right? Yeah. You don't even have to believe that you deserve it at the time, but just know that you deserve it. And I think that those things show up once we, once we kind of can get into that, I deserve it, even though maybe I don't know that I do because it takes the pressure off. It kind of clears the path a little bit more for it to show up. It does. It really is another way of saying yes. Exactly. Well, it was such a pleasure getting to share this time with you. Corey, we kind of missed you, but I love you. <laughs> but I think we did good, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. It was great. It was so wonderful to meet you, too. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And I know that well, our paths will cross again, and I'll stay in touch for sure. How was your uh, time away, Corey? Uh, it was interesting. <laughs> okay, leave it at that. But uh, I was going to say too, uh, Jessica, I definitely want to have an opportunity to interview you in the near future as well. So let's call it a to be continued. I, uh, whenever we set the schedule for this event, which was going, we set it about, I think three weeks or a month ago, maybe a little more, uh, but like four months ago in my calendar was locked uh, three things this week that I couldn't then change because they were locked in so far. And it just happened that two of them landed today but the weird irony is we had some hiccups with the technology on the other interview. And so we went through the hiccups for about 15 minutes and then we decided to reschedule. So oh, great. <laughs> and on top of that, at least I'm going to be with you till the end because my second person messaged me and said the Wi-Fi is down in his neighborhood for the first time in his life. Look at that. So we moved that one to next week at this exact same time when I don't have the flip your script. So Jessica, that's all to say that 
if you're with your permission, I'll call it a to be continued. And maybe I'll bring you on either for my podcast or I know Elise might want to bring you on for the flip your script Friday. Yeah, for sure. So lots of interview opportunities still to come. Is the point. Okay. Awesome. Before we, before we let you go though, I am, and I, this is something that I introduced at the beginning, Corey, when you weren't there is that I would like to do a quick little tapping session an EFT session with anyone who's watching and, or for the replay. So Jessica, if you have something that keeps popping up for you that you can physically feel is holding you back on some level, like whether you feel it in your gut, your chest, your throat, or in your head, I'm going to do a quick little, like what I call a, an, a tapping rant or a tapping um, session at the end, just a quick three minute. So feel free awesome. to hop back awesome. on or hang out. Okay, good. That sounds awesome. Very cool. Well, like I said, Jessica, uh, I didn't get to be here for most of the interview, but I know it was a pleasure and I know you and Elise crushed it and I'll get a chance to watch it later, which is exciting because I get to watch from the outside looking in. But thank you so much for being you. Thank you for showing up. You've been a big part of our Blue Talks community since pretty much the start. And uh, I don't anticipate that changing. We'll keep spreading the word and waving the flag for all the great things you're doing. And like I said, feel free to circle back with me and hold me accountable that I want to make it a to be continued and bring you back on. Oh, great. Thanks so much, Corey. I look forward to it. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.